This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello everyone, welcome to Tian Tehillim. We are learning Parak Kuf Aleph chapter 101 today, and this class is dedicated Leilor Nishmas, a very special special Eshchayel Ruth Bat Latife who is a woman that we should all learn from. Basically, she was her whole life was devoted to chesed and was devoted to helping people who needed help and figuring out ways of enriching people's lives and making people from. She was just a huge balas chesed and a major activist in her community. And I feel that it's very appropriate to dedicate this class to her, to dedicate our learning to her, because... What we're striving to do in our T and Tehillim classes is to get to higher and higher places of personal growth and well-being, to get to places where our life is simpler and easier to navigate and our feelings are relaxed and happy. And because when we get to those places, then we could actually have the koach, the energy to reach beyond ourselves and make a difference in the world around us, which is exactly what this very special woman did with every single day of her life. And she had many, many followers, people who were looking up to her for help and advice and guidance. We should all aim to be working on our own self so that we too could be spilling over onto others in this special way. So let's look at Parak Kuf Aleph. So just before I give you a little overview of the Parak, I just wanted to give you a little uh, insight into my recent, the recent occurrences in my life because it's very applicable. So basically, uh, a little while back, I was spending some time with a friend of mine, and we were catching up on each other's lives and having a nice time together. And, you know, I noticed while we were talking to each other because of the inner work that I'm doing and the research that I do on self-help, I noticed that we're both, we were constantly apologizing to each other. Like, every other word out of our mouths was sorry. And I, I realized, like, we're both these people pleasers. And I said to her, I said, you know what? Let's practice this right now. Let's just start. For now, let's just count how many times we say the word sorry to each other. We're spending a few hours together. Let's see how many times we say sorry. And I was pretty shocked, but not so shocked, but a little shocked, to discover that in the first hour of this experiment, I said the word sorry six times. What was I sorry for? I'm sorry that I spoke before you spoke. I'm sorry that I sat in your chair by mistake. I'm sorry that the store didn't have what you wanted and you came from wherever you came from and you wanted to get something. Like, I was sorry for everything in those in that one hour, six times. And she also, she may, I think she might have even won the race. She, she got even more sorries. So this is something that I want to be focusing on in this class because the more I started focusing on my sorries and working on this aspect of my life, the more I realized how prevalent this sorry problem really is. So I decided then and there that I'm going to make it a topic of one of my classes. So it's going to be a big part of this class today. So let's get a quick insight overview into what is going on in this parak. In this parak, Kuf Aleph, David gives us insight into the type of man he is. And he talks about the fact that he seeks to have pure intentions and be honest and do the right thing, and that he only surrounds himself with people who are that way as well. He doesn't want to have any close confidence or advisors or friends 
who are crooked in any way or dishonest or gaivadic or haughty, right? He wants to have people around him who are also living life with pure intentions and wanting to do the right things and go in the straight path. So he speaks about himself here in this parak as tamim, whole, pure. And we talk, we're going to discuss this word tamim and we're going to talk about what it means and how we could create this in our life. We could become more tamim when we focus on making our intentions purer. So we're going to talk about setting pure intentions. And also, when we apologize constantly, and we're not really meaning it, we don't really feel sorry, we're just saying it, because we're just being people pleasers, or for whatever reason, then that's also not tamim. That's also we're not being honest with ourselves. So we're going to also focus on the topic of apologies. And also, another you know, a little bit in a, in a separate category a little bit, but also extremely important, I want to touch on uh, another idea that will give us insight in how to deal with others when they're displaying unfavorable traits. Okay, so let's look at Perak Kuf Aleph and Pasuk Aleph says, Ledavid Mizmar Chesed Umishpat Ashira. So he's saying of David, a psalm, I will sing of chesed, of kindness, and of justice. Okay, so in the previous parak, in parak Kuf, which I gave a while back, you can find it on my website, in parak Kuf, in chapter 100, David expressed his gratitude for the overt miracles in his life. Mizmar Soda, he was talking about his gratitude for all the things that are happening that are good. Here in this parak, He's expressing an even higher level of divine awareness because he's speaking about his gratitude to Hashem even when Hashem's benevolence is being masked. Even, not just when there's chesed, but it says chesed umeshpat ashira. Even when he's only seeing the harsh justice, the harsh hand of Hashem, the punishment or the difficulties in life, he's thanking Hashem for that also. Now, an interesting thing that I saw is that we say in the Talmud, you can't compare somebody who reviews his Torah studies 101 times to someone who reviews it only 100 times. So what are we saying here? We're saying that 100 represents like a completion, it represents a full wholesome service of God. But 101, according to this quote that, you know, 101 times is even better. 101 represents going above and beyond our human nature. It goes, it represents leaving our comfort zone and trying even harder, venturing past what we normally would. So therefore, it's very appropriate that this parak of Tehillim is parak 101, because in parak 100, Right? It was as if we were, a person was shown a pirko mea pa'amim. A person reviewed his studies a hundred times. And that's good, and that's complete, and that's enough. But here, we're going further. We're going into chapter 101, because when somebody reviews 101 times, that's even better. Meaning that when a person is able to go past, to leave his short-sightedness, and acknowledge that Hashem in the hard times is also giving us chesed, that's already above the hundred. That's above just studying a hundred times. That's going past what we're normally able to do. So that's just a nice explanation for why specifically this parak is parak 101. Okay, Pasuk Beis. Askila bederach tamim. He wants to learn the way of tamim. He wants to live his life whole, to live his life complete. He wants to do the right thing. 
the Malbim explains that Tamim is when a person is doing something with pure intentions. When someone wants to do the right thing and become closer to Hashem, and that's why he's doing the mitzvah. He's not doing the mitzvah because of the reward behind it or what other people will think. He's doing it lishma, not shalom lishma. He's doing it for the right reasons. That's how we get to the derech tamim. So let's look at our own life and see how we can be tamim. Because as it says in the Pasuk, after it says, Askila b'derech tamim, it says, Masai tavo elai. He tells Hashem, when is your Ruach HaKodesh going to come descend upon me? And what we learn from here is that when a person strives to live b'derech tamim, they strive to do the right thing for the right reasons, then they can expect Hashem's countenance to descend upon them. They can expect to be successful. They can expect to have a higher level of success and closeness with Hashem. So how can we bring this into our life? So what we do is, before we do something, we ask ourselves the question, why? Why am I doing this? So I know that personally, for me, you know, when I'm in the public eye, and I'm speaking, and I do a lot of public speaking, so it's something that I really think about. I try to remind myself, to center myself before the speech and say, why? Why am I doing this? And I dive in for help. I dive in that Hashem should help me to set my intentions in the right place. That I should be doing this to benefit the cloud, to help other people live amazing lives and for all the right reasons. And that it shouldn't be about me. Because it's very easy when you're doing something in the public eye, if you're not specifically, deliberately setting your intention for what you want it to be, it could easily turn out that the motives behind what you're doing is about yourself. And we don't want it to be that way. So let's think about our lives. What are we doing? What are the good things that we're doing? And what are the reasons behind them? If you're giving your husband a birthday present, don't think in the back of your head. Don't be thinking, well, because I want him to take me on vacation next week. Set your intention. Why am I giving him this present? Why do I want to be giving him this present? What are my reasons that I want to be aligning myself with? It's because I want to strengthen my shalom bias. It's because I want to show him gratitude for everything that he does for me. Decide in advance. If I'm giving my child a hug or praise or encouragement, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to fill up their tank so that they could feel confident and loved in the world. When you do that, when you set your intention in advance, then you have a lot more siyata deshmaya, and like it says in the Pasuk, Masai Tavoilai, then you could expect that Hashem is going to be coming in to help you and making things easier and giving you Hatzlacha. Let's look at another idea that I spoke about in the introduction about over-apologizing. So over-apologizing also seems like a lack of tamim. It doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel like what you really want to be saying. It's something that we just go to. Is it? it? Think about it for yourself. Do you have a habit of saying sorry all the time, even when you didn't even do anything wrong? Is, is sorry the first word that pops out of your mouth when you need an extra minute to gather your thoughts while, while you're talking to someone? Or you sneezed and the, you interrupted the conversation? Or you started speaking to someone at the same time that they started speaking to you. Is sorry the first word that pops out of your mouth? How many times a day do you think you apologize? What's the problem with this? Okay, so you might be saying, okay, so y'all, yes, I'm constantly saying I'm sorry. What is the problem with this? So just off the top of my head, the two issues that pop out at me. Number one, sorry doesn't mean much anymore when we're constantly saying it, even to the littlest mundane things that don't 
even require an apology. And number two, when we're constantly saying sorry, it's as if we're apologizing for our very existence on the planet. Like as if we're saying to the world, I'm sorry for being here. I'm sorry for bothering you. I'm sorry, world, for imposing on you with my existence. That's the message, the subconscious message that we're giving ourselves. Like I'm always doing something wrong. I always have to be sorry for the things that I do and say. And the truth is that we have a right to be here. We belong and we matter. And the reason why we belong and we matter is simply because we exist here on the planet. And therefore we have just as much as a right to be here as anybody else. So when we get our sorries under control and we stop throwing them out all the time, we send a loud message to our subconscious mind about our worth and about who we are and what we're doing here and how important we are. And it's going to make us feel more powerful. And we're going to walk around in the world being able to stand up taller and look people in the eye. And it will transform our sense of confidence and strengthen us and give us the power that we need to live our life fully. So let's think about this and consider, is this something that maybe I want to work on a little bit? So how can I work on this? So the first thing that I'm going to tell you is to do exactly what I told you I did in the introduction to this class. For the next 24 hours, just count how many sorries come out of your mouth. Just start with the awareness because even just becoming aware of how out of control it is already will help you motivate you. It will already loosen that habit because it will make you realize that you want to fix it and you want to become more aware of it. So 24 hours, just focus on that. I did it as something that I just felt needed to be done. And then I ended up seeing it in a very good book where I get a lot of helpful tools and tips. So it's a real thing. Focus on it and ask yourself, how many times am I apologizing? Pay attention. The next thing, after you become aware of it, hopefully you're now motivated and fired up with a passion of like, that's it, I'm done with this. You're going to make a decision, and you're going to say, from now on, I no longer apologize unnecessarily. I only apologize in specific instances that I reflect on and that I decide, yes, in this instance, I was out of line. Yes, I, I barked at my kid. I yelled at my husband. Okay, so I'm going to go over to them and say, I'm sorry. It wasn't you. It was me. I was in a bad mood. So say you're sorry where they really need, where you were really, truly out of line. If you just started talking at the same time as somebody else, you weren't out of line. You just did a regular thing. Like every little thing in your life shouldn't be something that you need to be apologizing for. So we're no longer saying the, sorry to bother you. Sorry, what was that again? I'm sorry, you go ahead. Sorry, give me a minute. There's no sorries just like sprinkled into our everyday conversation just to make it pretty. Like we're done with that. Um, so that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Now just... Um, just to tell you how much this works, maybe it works a little too much, I started doing this. This is something that I've been busy with lately. And a few days ago, um, I'm going to get very vulnerable here. A few days ago, I was driving and there was a lot, as you know, and if you live in New York or anywhere around here, there's a lot of snow on the ground. And I'm driving and there's like this big UPS truck and I bashed into it, basically is what happened. I got tangled up with the front... Um, the front bumper of the UPS truck and I'm stuck there and everybody's honking and people are looking at me. It's one of those awesome 
you know, triumphant moments in the life of our driving careers. Um, and what happened? So, you know, of course, I come out of the car, I say, I'm so sorry. Um, and as I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm like, questioning myself, like, is this sorry, like, warranted? Or maybe I should not have said sorry. And then I'm like, driving away afterwards. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm asking myself if, if I should be sorry that I bashed into somebody's truck. Like, duh, of course I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, so don't take it too far, right? If, if you need to be sorry, be sorry. But, you know, just goes to show you that this process really works. It gets you to think twice and not just have things pop out of your mouth inadvertently. Uh, another idea before I end this sorry piece is that you know, when you're stopping to say sorry, it's helpful to have other things to say instead. So for example, very often when we're saying sorry, what we really could be saying instead is thank you. Like somebody else will take over a responsibility for you. Let's say, let's say you can't do the carpool that day, or you're not able to come through, you know, do whatever it is that you wanted to do and somebody else offered to do it for you. So instead of saying sorry, which we so often do, there's no reason to apologize. Somebody's doing you a favor. Just say thank you, right? So very often we could replace the words thank you with sorry. Also, you could say oops, right? Maybe you miscalculated a time or a day. Instead of apologizing for making a human error that everybody makes, why don't you just say oops, I miscalculated. Okay, so try to come up with things that you could say instead of the word sorry over and over again. Pasuk Dalit says, Ra lo so at the end of the Pasuk. So David is saying, I don't know anything about bad. I stay away from bad people. And I don't, I, I can't even, I'm so oblivious of evil in my life. I can't even conceive of an evil scheme. So he's talking about the way he lives his life, where his intentions are lined up with his actions. And he's honest. And he does the right thing. And he says what he means. And he doesn't go in the evil ways. The next pasuk says, Milashni vaseser re'ehu, oso atmes. He who slanders his friend in secret, I will destroy. So here also, I want to give over a very important life lesson that might really be very helpful for many of you. So this, this pasuk is talking about that he's not going to tolerate. David says, I will not tolerate people who slander or speak bad about other people. And the Sefer HaMa'amarim explains, that those who attend to an influential man, somebody who is helping a king or a prince or just being there for an influential person and being there to help them, very often they think that they're rendering a service by disclosing to the king think bad things about what people are doing. And they don't realize, though, that, and David does realize, David as the king understands that a concept, the concept, that when we want to exert our influence on behalf of the moral betterment of other men, then the, the best way to do this, the way it's going to be effective, is if he deals with those people, not in accordance with who they actually are, but instead in keeping with what they should be. So people who help the king think, oh, I have to tell the king the truth. I'm seeing this person do that and that person do this. But David knows that Knowing the truth about the person and relating to them on that level of where they're holding right now is actually harmful. 
And it's better if he sees them in a positive light, in the light of the way, uh, if he sees them in the way that he wants them to be, and he treats them that way, then they'll have much more of a better outcome. He'll be able to influence them in a much better way. So this is how the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains the concept of, you know, why David was so against slander. And he, he just had no tolerance for it. It was because he wanted to influence people and he recognized that the way to influence them in the best way is to treat them the way that he believes they should be and not the way they actually are. And I feel that it's very important that we bring this concept into our life because it applies in so many different ways. When dealing with people's issues, with other people, when they're displaying not the best parts of themselves, if we engage with them and we talk to them and we communicate with them, on that level of where they're holding in that negative place, then it's going to get worse. And we're going, to, we're going to fall out of our alignment and end up acting in ways that are not true with who we are. And we're going to try to cater to the way they're behaving, which is off. And then the whole thing will be off. And then it will just feed into a vicious cycle and there'll be more and more and more off. So let me give you an example of what I'm saying. Let's take a child who's a teenager who's having like a passive-aggressive tantrum. Okay, I think a lot of us might know what this looks like. A teenager is not happy with something. You didn't do the something the way they wanted it to be. And they got into a habit of manipulating you and getting you to do what they want by kind of disengaging and getting quiet and getting you a little on edge because it's a very powerful move to play. And they know it works on you and it gets you nervous. So they got into this habit of doing this. So you have two choices. You could either engage with them on that level. So you could cater to the passive aggression. You could panic inside and you could go over to them and say, what's going on? Let's talk. And you could be the one trying to make it better and trying to make the communication flow between you again. And you're really not acting in accordance with who you really are. So I guess this has to do with Tumim, like what we said before, right? You're not acting your authentic self. You're kind of leaning into the dysfunctional behavior that's going on at that moment. The other option is you remain steadfast to what you know is right and to what you know is true. And the fact is that your child overreacted to something and you're not going to go and try to make them feel better over something that you know, right, is not worthy of getting upset about. So you just keep your cool and you treat them as if everything is normal and as if they are a person who you can trust, That as if your child is a person that you can trust to tolerate difficulties to tolerate discomfort, to handle things when they don't go exactly their way. So you're, that's the second option. And this is the option that I'm trying to explain to all of you, that when a person is handling something in not the best way or displaying an unfavorable habit or character trait, instead of responding to them and reacting to them on their level of dysfunction, stay where you are, stay centered and Decide to treat them as if everything is normal and as if you have faith in them and you know that they, they don't have, they're not necessarily a person who needs to be acting this way and decide and commit to seeing in them the opposite traits that they're displaying. So if that teenager is displaying traits of not being able to handle difficult things, not being able to communicate in a healthy way then you're going to say, I'm going to start noticing in this child when they are able to communicate healthfully and when they are able to tolerate difficulty and they're able to handle whatever is not going their way. 
look for that in them. Decide right then and there, I know that this is a person that could do that. I know that my child could do that. Think about other times in their life that they were able to do it. Build confidence and trust in their ability to be the best that they could be in that area. And then you'll end up relating to the whole situation in a different way. What happens if you build that trust? Will you panic inside when they go into that passive-aggressive place? No. You'll just be like, okay, they're having a hard time dealing with it right now. And you won't make such a big deal about it. And then they won't feed off of your energy. And then you won't act in a way that feeds the cycle. And then you won't be a contributor of the cycle just going on and on and on. So another example, if your spouse has been late to work for the past two days, right, and you're starting to feel frustrated, you're starting to feel annoyed, you're starting to feel on edge, instead of relating to them as a person who comes late, relate to them as a person that's on time. Relate to them in, as a person who's responsible. Decide that you're going to come up with your in your mind with other times that they were responsible. You're going to think of times of proof, of evidence that they are a person, that, that, that he is a person who's able to act responsibly. Think of all the other times that he did come through and that he was on time. And commit to seeing those things about him in the future as well. And then act from that place of trust and from that place of seeing the person as the best person that they could be. So this is an amazing tool that we should all try to put into practice because it really gets us out of the, you know, the negative state of, it gets us out of the drama, gets us out of the confrontation, gets us out of all those unnecessary negative situations and takes us into a place of trust, into a place of empowering the people around us, and into a place where we're able to remain true to ourselves and do what really feels right for us and then we're not acting out of fear or any other negative emotions. Okay, and there's another couple of psukim here um, in this parak, another three psukim, which again focus on this concept of David being somebody who is tamim, who is honest, and who only surrounds himself with ne'emne eretz, as it says. He surrounds himself with people who are trustworthy, and he doesn't go near any shkarim, any any people who lie, and you know, that's the way he ends off the parak, just continuing on that theme. So let's review the three very important lessons that we spoke about in this parak. So we said, when we spoke about the word tamim, we said that number one, we want to be people who ask the question, why? Before we do something, why am I doing this? What is my end goal? And maybe the why that I'm doing this for is not so tamim. It's not such a pure reason for why I wanted to, for why I want to do this thing. So I'm going to make the intention what I do want it to be. And I'm going to keep that in the forefront of my mind. And through that, we attract Hashem Siyat Deshmaya. The second thing on Tamim we said was not over-apologizing. And how do we stop over-apologizing? For 24 hours, you're just going to focus on how many times you say sorry. And then you're going to go into an apology fest. And you're going to make sure to stop sprinkling your speech with constant apologies. And instead, you're going to find perhaps other words to use like thank you or oops, I miscalculated or some other version of what you could say instead of the sorry. And you're only going to say sorry when when you're really, when you deliberately decided and recognize that you're out of line and it's something that you consciously consider. 
Um, and then we said also that the way that we should be treating people and the reason that David HaMelech didn't accept slander from anyone is because he wanted to relate to people on the level of where he thinks they should be instead of on the level that they're displaying in their character right now. And we said that we should do that in our own life when we're faced with somebody else's chesronos. We should react with them. We should interact with them on the level of where I think they should be and where I know they could be and from a place of trust in them and from a place of seeing the good in them instead of interacting with them on the level that they are currently at or that they're appearing to be at. I hope everybody enjoys practicing these great tools and I hope you have an amazing day.